Hey, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is where we're at. Uh, going to go through the entire chapter and uh, just continue on this series through 1 Corinthians. If you would, will you pray with me? Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place and to, to worship you. And Lord, we know that today is your day. And so we give you thanks and we come here looking expecting, waiting on you to move, to speak, to revive in us, Father, a desire to, to worship you. Father, I pray that, um, that we would allow for you to speak to us. I pray, Lord, that we would set aside any distractions and anything that might hinder us from worshiping you today. We come now to your word, Father. I pray that you would speak to us through your holy scriptures. I recognize, Lord, that I have a part in this. And so if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life. And give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that brings honor and glory to your name. A way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be that day. Today where they met to their sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And for the believer that's here, Lord, that may be struggling or going through hardships or just uh, feel like their faith is stale and, and looking for revival. Lord, we hear that word a, a lot. We've heard that word a lot this week. And uh, Lord, help us to desire to be revived, to see revival in our community, to see revival in the hearts of men. And Father, I pray, Lord, that if that would happen today, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. This week I was in uh, Lawrence, uh, Kansas, visiting my niece. My, my niece is a, a volleyball player over at KU. Many of you know this. And uh, She's just, she just got started over there this, this semester, and I went over and just ate lunch with her and uh, had a really good time with her, and uh, we, uh, you know, we just, sometimes you, it's hard to find things to talk about with a 17-year-old girl, and, but, you know, it's just one of those, it was just good quality time. Uh, as we were ending our conversations, walking back to our vehicles, she was telling me about how they were going to get a, another member on their team, another team member, and this person was going to be a graduate student from one university to another university, and she was telling me about how old she was, and, uh, and I said, well, okay, you know, and she goes, Uncle Jeff, this girl is, she's so old, she could, she could be my mom, and I was like, what? Like, how old is she? She's like, she's, she's 22, I'm just like, <laughs> wait a second here. How old are you again? I'm 17. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. You know, I mean, so you ever have a conversation with somebody and just realize maybe you're at different points in your life than they are, you know, and that was one of those moments where I felt really old for... I, uh, a few weeks back, I was uh, on the team bus for our, uh, our high school wrestling team, and uh, one of our wrestlers asked me, Coach Burns, uh, how, how old are you? I said, I'll give you three guesses. First guess was, I guess, uh, 53. I said, 
no. He goes, uh, 58. I'm like, no. 63? I'm like, no. He goes, well, how old are you? I said, I said, you got three guesses. You're off on all of them. I'm not telling you how old I am. He goes, come on, Burns, come on. I said, fine. I'm 39. He didn't say anything. <laughs> Ten seconds later, he's like, Coach Burns, you must have the most stressful job in the world. <laughs> tell you. Sometimes you just realize you're at different places in life, right? I mean, you're just like, they're there, you're here. And, but I remember when I was young, I thought everybody was old, right? I mean, and even like, you know, somebody that was in their 30s or 40s. I mean, that's just ancient. In our passage of Scripture for today, Paul is addressing those in the church in Corinth who were behind schedule. And they were further down the road. They weren't further down the road than they should have been. They were running behind in their spiritual growth. Listen to how he addresses them in verses 1 to 4. But I, brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh, behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? Paul says to them, when I spoke to you, I spoke to you as non-believers or as newborn Christians. He says to them, I talked to you like I was talking, speaking to a baby. How do you speak to a baby? Do you use big, eloquent words? Do you speak with gravitas? No, of course not. You say, well, look at those cheeks. Look at those. I mean, you just, you use baby talk, right? You don't talk like a, a professor, you know? You just don't do it. You talk like you would talk to somebody that has no idea what you're saying, you know? And not only does he say, I, I speak to you like a baby, he says, I fed you like a child. You weren't ready for solid food. When our daughter was a baby, she was like three months old, I had over at my sister's house, and she gave her, she gave her a Chippehoy cookie. I mean, like, I was like, I mean, you can't do that. You know, she doesn't have teeth. You know what I mean? Like, like you had, you're a mom. Like, how do you not know this? You know, like, she was, well, I just got to forgot. You know, I mean, like, but you can't do it. You know, you can't expect a baby to eat solid food. But imagine for a second if, I mean, Annabella, she's 10 years old now. I mean, she eats all the cookies she can get her hands on. But imagine if she couldn't. I mean, how sad would that be if she, as a 10-year-old, could not eat solid food? And that's what Paul is saying here. He goes, it's sad. He goes, you should be further along than you really are. You should be able to eat solid food by now. But look at you. You're still a baby. You're still in need of drinking milk. You can't eat solid food. You, you still talk like a baby. You still act like a baby. Imagine, friends, how sad that would be. Paul led in the establishment of the church in Corinth. He was the first to share the gospel with them. He continued to be well connected to the church. 
He had a strong desire to see this church do well. He had every reason to want to see the church in Corinth to have a strong faith. Unfortunately, though, Paul recognizes they aren't any further at this time than they were when he first met them. Notice in verses 3 and 4 how Paul recognizes their maturity. Is it through their knowledge or was it through their actions? Verse 3, for you are still the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? For when one says, I follow Paul, another says, I follow Paulus, are you not just merely being human? Paul says you're acting like a baby. You're acting like a person whose lives haven't been changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You, you don't seem like you are indebted to the gospel. You, your lives aren't any different today than they were when I first met you. Friends, our actions tell us a lot about what we believe. How serious our faith is. Our actions tell others about what we truly do believe. If your life is the same as everyone around you, if your dreams and aspirations are the same as everyone else's, if you spend your money on the same thing as everyone else, if you permit your children to live in the same manner as every other kid, if you use the same words, if you fail to love others, if you fail to love your neighbor, if you fail to love your God, to worship him in spirit and in truth, to trust in Jesus with every facet, every fiber of your being, The church in Corinth were not doing what the mature do. They were fighting amongst themselves like babies. They were acting like children. Verse 5. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says that he planted, Apollos watered, and God was the source of growth. Paul's saying here isn't all that complicated, is it not? I mean, he is taking the credit away from himself. He's taking the credit away from Apollos or Cephas. And he's saying, hey, we're just one. We're all the same here. We're one. God is the one who should be receiving the glory. God is the one who you should be worshiping. God is the one who you should be following. Not me, not Apollos, not Cephas. God. He is our Lord. He is our King. He is worthy of worship. They're equals. And no way equal to God. What Paul isn't saying though here, let's not get confused. That God is the reason they are not growing. That God is the reason they are still babes in their faith. Paul is pointing out Paul isn't pointing out that God is to blame. He's not saying, I did my part, but God didn't do his. That's not what he's saying here at all. What Paul is referring to is their faith. God is the one who saves. God is the one who calls. God is the one who justifies. God is the one who 
did the work at the cross. God is the one who is worthy of worship, not Paul, not Apollos. Paul makes his point by continuing this conversation in verse 10. If you would, follow along with me. According to the grace given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. Someone else is building upon it. Each, let each take care of how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. The word that Paul uses for a skilled master builder is the same word that we get the word architect. And John MacArthur, he says that it's better for us to understand this word as it relates to Paul, not only as an architect, but as a, like a, a general contractor and an architect. He's the one that's designing. He's the one that's also has a hand in the, in the building as well. But he said all of this was done by the grace of God that has been given to him. So, so again, he's taking the credit away from himself and saying, by God's grace. This isn't something that I could do on my own, but God gave me the ability to do this. This is the calling that God has placed on my life. It's not something that I can do on my own. By my own, I was out persecuting Christians. On my own, I was out killing people. Like, this is who, like, I was a legalist. Like, that's not, like, on my own, that's who I was. But by God's grace, I'm allowed, I'm able to do this. I'm able to, be a, to have a hand in the church. God gave Paul the grace necessary to lay a strong foundation for the church in Corinth. The foundation, of course, was Jesus Christ. And I notice, I think, and this is very important for today's text, he gives warning to those who are continuing to build on the foundation that was already laid. Paul says to them, be careful. Take care of it. The foundation has been laid. But he tells the church leaders, and I think this warning extends to all church members, not just to church leaders. So listen as well. Be careful how you build. Anyone, any man, each one, no one. This, I mean, he's addressing each of us and each of them to be careful how you build the church. What resources are you using? What's your motives? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? What material, what material are you using? Look at verse 12. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Some of you here today know a lot more about uh, construction and building than I do. But I don't know too many buildings that have gold, silver, precious stone, and then next to it have wood, hay, and straw as materials being built. You may see a, a building, a hut, built with wood and hay and straw 
But you know what you don't see is like, hey, let's stick in some of that mud uh, some gold. <laughs> Next to the hay, let's stick in some precious stones. That's, I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? What Paul is alluding to is that the church can be built on material that's going to survive. Not just a test of time, but more importantly, the test of God's judgment. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul says to the church in Corinth later on, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be received what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. <laughs> Friends, when this life is over, we will stand before God. As unbelievers, the Bible says that we will be judged for our sins. As believers, though, we will be judged by what we've done with the gifts that we've been given. The time that we have. The resources that we have. As believers, do you want to build your life and ministry off of hay, wood, straw? Or do you want to build your ministry off a foundation that will last for all of eternity? Friends, the work that we do, it has eternal ramifications. Eternal ramifications. There are, they obviously, these, the things that we do, they matter to God. And they should matter to us. I mean, God has called you out, gifted you sanctified you, given you the grace that is necessary to do the things that he wants you to do. Don't believe me? Let's look at verse 16. Do you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. The Greek word for destroy is Pharaoh. It's used nine times in the New Testament. Here, God is destroying those who destroy God's temple. I, just, I mean, earlier Paul was giving them a light warning here. This is not so light, is it not? I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in the line where God is destroying people. <laughs> Like, get me out of that line. Get me into a different one. Like, I, whatever line is the opposite of that one, that's the one I want. I, I don't want God destroying any... I mean, I, that's not what I want. I want grace and mercy. Not judgment. Sign me up for God's grace. Sign me up for his mercy. The last thing I want is to receive the wrath that is actually due to me. But Jesus Christ bore our sins. He bore our wrath on the cross. And he has allowed us to be co-heirs with Christ. To receive the reward that we don't deserve. His. His reward. His faithfulness. His resume. That's ours. We've inherited it, friends. Paul says in verse 16, you are the temples of God and the spirit of God dwells in you. The temple of God is not a building. It's just not, friends. It's not a facility. 
This isn't the Old Testament. We, we have a great facility here at the church. I think God is happy with that. I think God is happy with how we use it here in, the, in this community. But this building could be gone tomorrow, friends. But our church would remain. I mean, Wyatt Park would still be a church even without this facility. God is far more concerned with you than he is this building. Let me say that again for those of you in the back. God is far more concerned with you than he is this building or any other facility that human hands can build, friends. God is concerned about your soul. He's concerned about your relationship with him. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, too much has been given, much has been expected. God expects us to take care of the people of God. He expects us to do the work of the church. No matter the facility, friends, our work, our calling remains. Our utmost calling, our utmost responsibility is to the people of God. That we are preaching and we're teaching and we're worshiping Almighty God. That we're sharing with others, that we're reaching the world, that we're going into the nations and that we're making disciples and we're baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in the Bible it says, build a big building. You need the biggest building. Nowhere, nowhere does that say that. You need the nicest facility. No. It says go and preach the word. Go and make disciples. That's our job. That's our responsibility. Listen to what Paul says as he closes out this chapter. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are futile. Let no one boast the men for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All yours and all yours Christ and Christ is God. What Paul is saying here is that self-deception is a spiritual tragedy. Self-deception is a spiritual tragedy. Galatians 6, 3. For anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Ever thought too highly of yourself? <laughs> Ever been humbled? In my line of work, it happens quite a bit. Uh, you know, you just stick your foot in your mouth or you do something you shouldn't have done or you just, it's part of the life of Jeff Burns. You know what I mean? You just, I'll never forget my first Sunday here. I can't believe I'm going to share this story. 
I told myself I'd never share this with anybody, but I, uh, some of you know it. I've shared with a couple in the back this stupidity of myself. You can turn the live stream off. I don't want this to go public. <laughs> but when I, my first Sunday here, I came and we preached in view of a call. I preached in view of a call. And, uh, you know, before I, uh, I, I, I preached, and even before most of you were here, I had to use the restroom. And I was in Pastor Seif's office at the time. And, and so I came out here, used the men's room, and uh, went back to my office and was, or his office at the time, and continued on with my work and then came and preached. And uh, afterward, I mean, everybody was giving me a pat on the back and just telling me how great I was and, you know, and all these things. And, you know, it was one of those sermons where Sundays where you, you just feel like maybe I just need to take an extra trip around the parking lot. Remember me saying that? And, uh, you know, that's just one of those things. And afterward, I, uh, I had to go to use the restroom again. And uh, I go to the same bathroom and I look and I realize, wait a second, I walked in that door last time. But that one says women's. And this is the one I, that I'm supposed to be going through. And it says men. And I realized really quickly, you know, I don't even know which bathroom to go in. You know what I mean? Like, like that's how stupid I am. You know what I mean? And so there are times in your life where God will just humble you. Where you think you're the greatest thing on the face of the earth. And then you just realize really quickly, man, I'm an idiot. You know, and you're only here by the grace of God. I mean, the only reason you're able to do the things that you're able to do is by God's grace just it you know I mean sometimes you just can't figure out how to open the door you can't figure out how to say the right things you can't figure out somebody's name you can't you just shouldn't I be further along than I am right now <laughs> should I still be struggling with that sin should I still be thinking those thoughts should I still be Having problems getting into God's words, should I still not know how to pray? Should I still not know how to treat people? Should I still think that I'm really all that great when reality, if people only knew. Many of you have been praying for my mom. Uh, I appreciate those prayers. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she's diagnosed with cancer here just a few weeks back, and she had her surgery and removed the cancer that was in her breast. And uh, they originally said it was stage two, and, and then this week they came out and said that it was stage three, that the, the mass was bigger than they thought, and then the lymph nodes, the six lymph nodes that they took out, um, all were cancerous as well. So they did a PET scan, and uh, they realized that cancer is nowhere else praise God for that and uh, but they're going to come in and do a, put a port in her and start chemo here really soon and, and then they're going to do radiation and uh, take out some more lymph nodes and so appreciate those prayers really I, I truly I do and uh, you know throughout this entire thing my mom she's she's like she even before all this I mean easily the most positive person that I've ever been around you know and she has reasons that I won't go into that 
she shouldn't be. You know, I mean, she's gone through things in this life that you would just think no one should have to go through. And, uh, but her outlook on life is just amazing. And, uh, and I mean, just, I, I'm biased. But, I mean, she wins awards in her community for the type of character that she is, that she has. And so, I told her this week when I was talking to her, I said, you know, you're in a fraternity that no one wants to be in. I mean, you are living a life that no one really wants to live. But for some reason, God has you there. And you can either do one of two things. You can be someone that you're not, be negative and look at this kind of half empty or you can look at it the same way that you look at every other facet of your lives with a positive outlook. That God has you there and you're going to be going through treatment that other people are going to be going through. You're going to be in rooms that other people are going through the same exact things that you're going through and you have this outlook on life that you can share with them. This hope that you have that you can share with them and you can tell them of the hope that you have, the joy that you have that comes through Jesus Christ. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I, we all have stories like my mother's. Have all gone through chapters, facets, stories that you just pray and wish that no one else has to go through. But for some reason, God has you there right now. And your experiences that you've accumulated throughout your life has got you there. And God trusts that you can get through it. And when I mean get through it, I mean that God will, that you will be honoring the Lord through it. Yes, amen. It may not be fun, it may not be what you want to go through. It may not be a fraternity that you wanted to join. Hopefully you're mature enough in your life and in your faith to honor the Lord through it. To not act like a baby. But to live as a child of God and to honor him through it. Father, we give you the thanks for this day for the opportunity that we have to gather together in this place. Father, I know that there are people in this room that are going through uh, chapters of their life that they pray will end soon. Father, I pray that you would give them the grace today to live a life that will bring you honor and glory. Father, I pray that whatever the situation is that we're going through right now, whether it's good, bad, we will recognize that it's only because of your grace and your mercy that we're able to live this life in any way that will bring you honor and glory. Father, we're not good people. We have a heart that has a tendency to be selfish, to be rude, to be sinful. But through your grace, through your mercy, Lord, you have sanctified us, made us right in your eyes. 
And by your grace, through some miraculous way, you have allowed us to live in a way that we wouldn't be able to live without it. And so, Father, help us to continue to be faithful, to continue to be true, to continue to be the men and women that you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. I pray that today would be that day where they put their hope and trust in Jesus Christ and they stop living for themselves, they stop living for this world, but start living for you. If that would happen, we'd give you all the honor and all the glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.